My guest today is an international sales authority, creator of the Authentic Selling Process and founder of the Authentic Selling University, the leading online sales training for modern business, producing millions of dollars in revenue for her students. She hosts Authentic Selling TV, reaching 186 countries on six continents, where she provides sales expertise that is sweet as pie, but tough as nails. She has been featured on The Steve Harvey Show, NBC, Forbes, Inc., HLN, Reader's Digest, and dozens more. My guest is Kendrick Shove. I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. so much for being on the change podcast it's so lovely to have you here thank you it is my absolute pleasure to be here I am thrilled you were such a memorable character for me even before I knew who you were um I remember seeing you on Steve Harvey I remember watching you sell him a pen it's crazy that's crazy it's that was such a um a wonderfully surreal moment. I, I, it's funny we were talking about before before we hit record. I went to the bank shortly after that, and one of the tellers was like, it was "In Bentonville, Arkansas, did I see you on Steve Harvey?" And I was like, "You know, it's possible. You could have. It was just it's <laughs> one of those crazy things." And really, really ironic that you saw it before you were in this sort of online world. That's crazy. You know, I have this weird. Um, I don't know. I. I, I've always had the theory that other people have this, but I don't know if other people have this. It's just, it would, it would make sense to me if people did, but I get these, like, um, I, I call them hits. That's not, I don't know what the right word is, but I get these like, um, premonition. It's not as deep as a premonition. It's like little vibes or whatever. Things stick for me yeah. that will, yeah. that will come back later and yes. I never know why. Yes. And so you just sort of fell into that category where it was like I saw you and it stuck and I and it was so far removed from anything that I was doing at the time there's no reason for me to remember it other than it was a memorable moment um but then you know more recently as I've um dug into doing coaching and I've dug into you know I've been I've been speaking and training for years and years but I've dug into this Mm one-on-one service model um Everyone has been like, oh, do you know who Kendrick Shope is? And you've got to take Kendrick Shope's sales course. And everybody's talking about Kendrick Shope. And I was like, who's Kendrick Shope? And then, and then I saw that clip. I was like, I know who Kendrick Shope is. That's awesome. I think, I think that, I mean, stuff like that happens to me too. And I'm like, oh, look at how those dots sort of connected. They're like mm-hmm. sort of breadcrumbs, you know? And uh, I'm always like, okay, this means that we are meant to meet. For some reason, like the yes. universe has said, all right, we, we, we've got to put each other in them in each other's path. So, hey, we're making it happen. We're following the breadcrumbs or the hits, if you will. I, yeah, I call them hits. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. even know where that word came from or when I started calling it that. But I remember I've, I've countless times, like walking into a building, knowing that I'll walk into the building again. Um, so it's yeah. never specific enough to be called psychic. Yeah. 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 I get it. 
Um, but yeah, there's a there, there, there's something there. Well, so I know who you are and a lot of, um, I imagine a lot of the people who follow your work will know who you are uh, and maybe tuning in, but a lot of my listeners may not know who you are, Kendrick. So if you wanted to talk a little bit about what it means um, to run something called Authentic Selling University, to talk about the yeah. authentic sales process, which is different than selling authentically, so to speak, you have a trademark process. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You know, basically, at the end of the day, selling the the black and white definition, not the Kendrick definition, but the black and white definition is the exchange of money for a product or service. Translation, that means that if you run a for-profit business, you're going to have to sell. Really, if you run a not-for-profit business, you have to sell, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) So in order to make money, in order to keep the lights on and also to make this business, you know, what you want it to be more than keep Mm -hmm. the lights on, you have to sell. When you, when you put the word authentic in front of it, what that means to me and what it meant to me when I created it nearly nine years ago was, uh, you know, none of the old fashioned or the, the old stereotypical just guilt and bully. And I call it icky, sleazy, slimy, gross. None of that is welcome in this process that I created because you don't need it. You Mm -hmm. don't need it to convert. And it is, it is my belief that, and I've seen it become a reality that when you learn to sell using authentic selling, it feels like helping. And that's how I want it to feel for our students and our businesses every single time, because when it feels like helping, you're more likely to do it and everybody wins that way. So in a nutshell, that's what authentic selling is. Love that. I love that. Uh, So when you're not telling people uh, tips and tricks that are helpful for bringing out their service self and how they sell, when you're not doing that work, uh, what do you do? Do you have time for hobbies? Do you have time for that? Oh my gosh. Did my husband pay you to ask this question? I'm sorry, but I have to tell a story. So I've been married for 17 years, 17 years. I think that's right. doesn't matter. And one of uh, the running jokes in our marriage is that shopping is not a hobby. Like he says, like I'm like shopping is a hobby, and my husband's like that is not a hobby. I'm like, yes, it is. You don't get to tell me what my hobbies are. He's like, look it up. Shopping is not a hobby, so that's funny. that's hilarious. But yeah, I do have time. Certainly, over the course of of being in business for nine years, I have learned a lot about uh, the importance of stepping away and the importance of finding time for what you enjoy. So here are the things I enjoy. I I I often joke, I'm an expert at two things, loving my daughter, who is 12 years old, and teaching people to sell. That's it. Anything else, I am not the woman for you. But so I love spending time with my daughter. We're huge music fans, uh, huge Broadway fans. So when it's not COVID, we usually go to New York at least four times a year and see shows. Mm. Big Disney Cruise fans. So a lot of our hobbies, if you will, involve, I don't know, we can be just as happy you know, vegged out on the couch, watching Panic at the Disco concert. So music, a lot of our hobbies uh, around here revolve around music. Love that. Uh, We're a musical family as well. My husband and I, uh, in addition to everything else we do, we're performers. And so we perform. I didn't know that. We perform musical theater. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But what we perform is a specific kind of musical theater. We do improvised musical theater meaning we're making everything everything up up. yes Mm -hmm. 
And we do it in full. Well, typically we do it in full costume um, on a set uh, so that it looks like a, a fully thought out play. Yeah. Um, and I've sat in the audience watching our cast put on shows as an audience member. And because it's improvised, <laughs> there are moments of total brilliance and there are moments that are not good at all. <laughs> that's that's kind of the beauty of the art form. It is. It is. And that's incredible. You have to be so witty, so smart, like to come up with stuff that quick. And 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 I, that's amazing. I'm so impressed. Like that's awesome. Well, you know what I suspect? And I should check this with you. I suspect that the skills that we use to do that are the same skills that you teach people to use t- to sell authentically. I okay. I would not okay. be surprised because uh, it isn't actually about being witty. The wittiness shows up because we're paying attention because we're just bringing our natural, obvious reactions to the table. We're paying attention to everything that's there um, and staying really present and listening really well so that we can serve the scene that's there, serve what's yeah. happening, notice what the audience is interested in and feed that. So I suspect there's some connection there. Uh, sounds like you're right. Absolutely. With the listening. Absolutely. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, fun side note, but the podcast itself, the reason we're even having this conversation is because I am super fascinated by this question of what does change mean to people? And I've been really enjoying hearing people's perspective on this because not everybody thinks of change the same way. I'm curious when you hear the word change, when you think about this broad idea, what what reactions, thoughts, and feelings come up for you? How do you think about change? It's interesting because change is so multi-layered. I would have answered this question 10 years ago. I would have said, oh my gosh, I hate change. I, hate, I like structure. I like routine. I, I, change freaks me the flip out. Of course, it's a constant if you're living and breathing, right? I mean, it's, it's a bad thing to be freaked the flip out by change because that's one thing you can bet on. Stuff's going to change. Yeah. So. I think that change is so multifaceted or multilayered and I have both positive and negative emotions about change. I mean, when I think about, you know, we've moved a lot for my husband's job and, and putting our daughter in different schools. And, and of course there are pros and cons to that, but uh, that makes me a little sick at my stomach. Like if I think about having to do that again, like the change and the stress of starting over and then on the flip side, change is exciting and it's beautiful. And I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't changed. And so it's one of those things where I have just the gamut of reactions when you hear it from completely neutral to, oh my goodness, to this is amazing. And this is how progress is made. To me, that feels resonant. Like that's sort of how I view it. But I, I, I I'm always curious. I often ask people, how do you feel about medium sized changes? Like, um, like rearranging the furniture in your house? Oh, no, that's a funny question. I'm fine with it. That doesn't bother me at all. My child? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) When we were in Chicago, so she was younger than five, somewhere between two and five, our dishwasher broke. And so we replaced our dishwasher. She had a just breakdown because of the new dishwasher. And I mean, I was like, but the old one didn't what like I mean I could not wrap my mind around it and and anytime I would move something in her room like finally I realized okay she yeah. 
has a visceral reaction to that kind of thing. I'm like, oh yeah, it looks, you, you changed the furniture. It looks better that way. Great. It doesn't bother me at all. So you're <laughs> right. I've never thought about it like that until just in the moment, but it is interesting. I find, I find people's approach to that super interesting. My yeah. daughter uh, is real change resistant as well. In fact, she was the spark for the whole podcast. Uh, I was just trying to get her to put on pants because it was winter time. <laughs> I love it. And and she'd been wearing dresses all summer long and now it's cold out and it's time to put on some pants uh, for insulation or, you know, tights would have been fine too, but tights seemed far out of the question. So yes. pants and man, was she not having that. And you know, who wants to put on pants? I get it. But at the same time, uh, it was this moment where I heard myself going, look, I get it. Change is hard. And then I went, oh, wait a minute. Am I setting her up for an unhelpful mindset? for the rest of her life with that message Um, because not all change is hard and change doesn't have to be hard. Some changes are hard. Life is hard. Sometimes it's not hard. It's like, yes, the variety of experience. Yes. Yes. So I, I, sometimes I wonder if it's like part of childhood it could be. I mean, you know, like, I mean, if you get, if you really nerd out on like the, the prefrontal cortex not being closed yet, you know, it could be. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, my, my experience with kids has always been, they function better, function better with structure, right? Like structured yeah. days. And so, yes. However, I will say, and, and I'm sure just based on what you said, you had a similar experience when Hallianna like was just distraught over the dishwasher. I mean, my head spun. I was like, I don't, you don't use the dishwasher. You're less than five. <laughs> Like what about this is stressful? And I'm sure in some primal level, it goes back to safety. And But yeah. it's interesting. And the same thing, like with pants, like, but you're going to be cold. Like, I love you. Mm-hmm. Just throw something to warm your legs. I, I get it. It's so fascinating. <laughs> it is interesting. And we do a thing every season where we have like the the several week process of the changing of the shoes, because that's <laughs> also a thing. Like... <gasps> And yeah. it, and it's because my husband is so patient. Honestly, if he wasn't so patient, it would be a like really painful single day yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, something's funny, so. and this really isn't about change. But um, when Hallianna was five, she had these socks that had polka, polka dots on them. Now you could not feel the socks; they were not raised, they were not anything. <laughs> and she put them on one day, and she's like, "I can." feel the polka dots and I'm like you can't like there was I mean it was there there was was nothing it was just like what's a pattern you know and I was like okay well let's change your socks no my feet are hurting from the polka dots I was like oh my goodness what is going on in this moment so kids are interesting teachers they are interesting teachers they're interesting reflections because I think we do that around all kinds of things you know um Recently, I, you know, I started using different editing software for um, the podcast. Not that recently, but when I, when I first started, I was, you know, the tools that I was using weren't, they weren't doing the trick. I needed something more robust. So I started using something more robust before I knew how to use it. And there definitely was that feeling for me where I was going like, this is, yeah, (laughs) I can feel the coconuts. Yes. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yes. So I I do think that there's something in all of us at certain moments that shows up like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
When you think of the changes that you've gone through, you talked a little bit about relocating. That was a particular like sticky one. You would not want to do that again. Um, what is it about relocating that feels particularly hard versus say, um, I don't know, changing the furniture in your house? Well, I'm very rooted. So, I mean, I, obviously I grew up in the South. You can tell I was super, I am super close to my family. I have a, some separation anxiety that I've talked a lot about working through and, 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 and overcoming. So there's probably some of that with change or with moving. And then when, when my husband and I moved for his job before Halliana, you know, I, I, my mindset was always, this is an adventure. And when I can get home, if I need to get home and it's an adventure and it was actually okay, not great, but okay with Halliana until she got into school. And then I saw how no matter what we did, how challenging starting a new school, making friends, like it just began to really weigh on her and it affected her self-confidence and it affected mm-hmm. um, kind of everything. And I said to my husband about, I don't know, 16 months ago, we're done. We're done with this. I, it's, it's fine. And we've done it. And it, some people do this their whole life. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm choosing for us. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to put down roots and she's going to have a solid experience in a school. And so we moved 16 months ago, something like that, and have been home. We came home to, to, to where our families live and it's been wonderful. So, you know, my experience of watching her cry and not fit in and just change as you change schools. I mean, it just, I, I was just done. It was gut-wrenching as a parent. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. As a parent, things change a lot. It just the, you, I find that um, your view of the world shifts dramatically. Oh, yes. My experience has been the absolute hardest thing I have ever done. It is the absolute most incredible thing I've ever had the privilege to do. So I'm curious if you were to think of a moment and I'd I'd love to hear your story on this, a moment where things, a fork in the road moment in your life where things changed after um, maybe it's parenthood, maybe parenthood aside. And is there a moment in your life that you could tell us a story about? Yeah. They're like, so I call those uh, like a ton of bricks dropped on my head moments or like I have, I have a lot. Like, I mean, it's like the universe really has to just before I get it. Uh-huh. I'm working on that. I'm working on listening a little bit better so I don't get hit over the head. But it's actually what I was referring to. So when Halliana was born every night, I didn't know what mantras were. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. But every night I would say to her. Uh, I mean, before she could understand, you can be anything you want to be in this world. It all starts with belief. And I will always believe in you. So go make your dreams come true. Or some iteration of that. It changes a little bit. But basically, it's centered around belief. And so we were, we had just moved to Chicago when I was rocking her to sleep. And so she was, I don't know, three, two. She was two. And I, I, I just realized, you know, one day, this child that I love more than anything in the world is going to understand these words really comprehend them and she's going to say hey mom did you want to sell drugs for a living because i was a pharmaceutical sales rep the legal kind of drugs that's the joke did you want is that what you wanted to do is that what you dreamed about as a kid and i was going to have to say no 
not even close. And so in that moment, I mean, it's just like the whole thing sort of played out in my head. It was going to be like, yeah, all that belief stuff and dream stuff that you've been selling me my whole life is utter BS. Because if you can't do it, how can I? And so I put her in her bed and I I walked into our doors. We had double French doors and I walked into the bedroom and I said to my husband, "Hmm, I am living a lie. And, he, and, and he's pretty used to me being dramatic. I, I think he was playing PlayStation. He didn't look up. And I was like, hey, hey, Blake, listen to me. I tell this little girl every night that believing matters, that dreams matters, that she can create whatever she wants to create. And yet, I'm working a job that's okay. I'm not the example for her I need to be. And I, from this moment, will go on a mission to figure out what it is that lights me on fire. And it may, I may not make it come true. I may not, but by gosh, she's going to see me trying. And everything changed after that. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. My dad used to say things like that to me. Oh, how wonderful. He used to say, I love you. I believe in you. And you can do anything you want to do, even become president of the United States. That's oh my god, that was <laughs> that's that was amazing. The... Oh, I love that. And then I and then I would go. I don't want to be president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get it. So cool. I still don't. <laughs> I don't either. No desire. Glad that I can believe that I could. No desire though. A hundred percent believe that I, well, I, I don't know if I could be honest. I don't know if I have the thick enough skin to handle what it takes to get to the primary office of this country. Yeah. Good Lord. Thank you for sharing that story. I think that's a lovely story. And and it's really intriguing to me that, um, that your story is really about just an internal coming to a reckoning with yourself. Was. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, so obviously that has affected you in a really tangible way. You went on yep. to um, discover sales as your uh, as your passion, which is ironic because I've heard bits and pieces of your journey from other folks who are like fans of Kendrick Shope or friends of Kendrick Shope. And so I know that initially when you set out, you weren't like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create Authentic Selling University. Oh no. That was not no. how it went. No. You know, it would be great if the story, well, maybe it wouldn't, but it would be really uh, fairy tale-ish if after that moment where I'm like, I'm going on a mission to figure it out. And the next day I'm like, I'm going to teach selling to the world. It was not like that at all. I made so many wrong turns. There were so many opportunities for me to give up, to not believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, it was really a shift almost at the cellular level. Like I feel like I became a different person, like a Rubik's Cube sort of snapping into place that night. And yeah, I thought I wanted, so so I hired an executive career coach. I didn't know what coaching was. This was like really a, a, a coach that would come into corporations and, and I hired an executive career coach. And one of the things that she had me do, I'm a really good student. When somebody tells me to do something, I'm on it. She had me read a book by Martha Beck. And I believe it was Follow Your North Star, Find Your North Star, The North Star book by Martha Beck. And I was like, oh my gosh, this has changed my life. This is what I want to do. I want to give this to the world. I want to teach this. And and so I went through Martha Beck life coach, life coaching school to become a life coach. And I did. And I was a terrible life coach. 
<laughs> I, I want to, I'm very much, I want processes and I want to say do one, two, three, and they ex- the, expect the output, output to be ABC. And uh-huh. my coaching, I like that, right? No. And so I hated it. I loved it for myself, changed my life. I am so thankful for that experience. I still use those tools today, but I don't want to be the person teaching those tools. And the way I ended up teaching selling was basically a, a friend of mine who at the time was not a friend. She was a colleague. Jenny, she said, I think I could use some help closing some clients. And I'm like, well, this life coaching thing I hate. You know, I, I was the top performing sales rep for a decade. I might be able to help you. I don't know, but I'm willing to hop on the phone and talk it out. 90 minutes later, Jenny said to me, and I quote, my dear, this is what you were put on this earth to do. And, <laughs> and, and, and I still didn't get it. Ton of bricks. Remember, I was like, well, what did I do? I don't know what you mean. And so Jenny really helped pull it out of my head because I was like, I don't know what I did. I just told you how to sell. So, yeah, I mean, I took a lot of wrong turns. I think that's a really important thing. When you talk about these profound fork in the road moments, um, I think that there is that aspect where we want to fast forward to the happy ending yeah. down the line. but yeah. there, And then we just forget there's all the work that happened in between, all the little tiny little forks, right? You got your shrimp fork and your snail fork or whatever. <laughs> yes. Instead of these like big dinner forks um, or tuning forks as you go. And I, I think those are really important parts of it. At least that's what it seems like to me. I agree. And you know, I was, I was talking to, I'm, I'm telling a lot of stories about my daughter today, but I was talking to Hallianna. She's 12. Um, and she has big dreams. You know, when your mom tells you your whole life, believe and, and, and she's got big dreams. She dreams of being on Broadway. She dreams like big dreams, but it's really fascinating. She's been, she has been taking voice lessons for years and she asked to take voice lessons. I didn't push her into that, but I've noticed this thing where she will say to me now, I don't want to go to voice lessons. I'm like, that's absolutely fine. No problem with that. We can take a break. We Like, I don't want to put pressure on you, but she said to me, well, I don't want to quit because I want the results. And mm. I said, then you are facing the big thing that everybody faces. You're facing, it's a fork in the road, right? You mm-hmm. don't want to go like, I mean, you know, I did all the mom things. Are you safe? I know we're teacher. Are you safe? Is there something? No, she just didn't want to do the, the stuff that it takes. And I was like, I get it. I totally get it. And that's the fun, not the fun stuff. That's the stuff nobody sees. Nobody, nobody likes to really talk about. That's the stuff that allows you to go on and do yeah. those, make those big dreams come true. It starts with the belief. And then the very next step is action. And I get not wanting to practice and I get, and that's fine. It's your life, but it's a decision every day. If there's a fork in the road, do I want to do this today? Do I not? Yeah, there are. There's those little micro decisions. I talk a lot about motivation and my communication skills work um, because I work in team dynamics with people and motivation is really important, not just when you're leading a team, but you have to also be really clear about your internal motivation structures and people tend to be motivated both toward goals like and away from whatever consequences and without both, you're not fully motivated. Um, the most motivated people in the world are both. They're like, well, I, you know, I know what I don't want and I know what I do want. And yes. that's going to help you move in, a, you know, pick a direction and go towards it. And so yes. it makes a ton of sense to me that she was like, you know, she, if she didn't know what end result that she wanted. Absolutely. 
She would have been easily, and I speak yes. from experience having qu- quit ballet, quit modern dance, quit voice lessons. That was me. So if you don't know I, why you're doing something, yep. it's hard to stick with it. It is. I, you know, I, I, I quit piano as a kid and I, and, and you do, I wish I could sit down and play. Yeah. I'm going to learn to play. But I, back then I was like, I, why am I doing this? Like I could be out yep. doing whatever rather than sitting here practicing scales. No, thank you. So you're absolutely right. It's all about it's all about motivation. And when you were talking about sort of, you know, the size of the fork, I feel like every day we have those, you know, those little bitty forks that 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 lead to the the big choices and then the things that really allow you to create a life beyond your wildest dreams. If you were to think back to a fork that you took one path but you're terribly curious about what would have happened had you taken that other path. Yes. What what would that have been? So growing up, I, I was a performer. I, I guess you're always a performer. If you have that in your blood, you understand that. I did not realize, I grew up in a tiny town, like 5,000 people. I did not realize, maybe everybody didn't realize, but I didn't realize that I was in all the local plays and all the things, but I didn't realize that that was actually a skill you could work on be it singing, mm. be it um, acting. I, I wanted to be a singer. And I realized that, no, actually, that is a skill that, I mean, yes, you have to have talent. I totally get that. But it's a skill you can work on and you can learn and you can become better at it. And so as a child, I remember selling myself on taking a fork at a very young age of saying, you'll never be able to go down that road because you don't have the talent and you're either born with it or you're not. And now I look at all the things that you know performers do to learn their craft. And I'm like, holy cow, I could have done that. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I resemble that. There you go. I mean, you make it, you know, before you even know what you're doing at seven, 10 years old, but in hindsight, I wish I'd have done all those things that I, that, that lit my soul on fire. I get excited when I think about the little forks. Is that a weird thing yeah. to say? I like no. when I think about because I think some of them go by without us noticing them. And sure, I get really intrigued by can you work your way back backwards and find one of the tiny forks that led to the big, yeah, work. Yeah, one of my guests told a story about choosing to go to a different movie theater than usual, and. Um, he and his mom went to a movie and as a result, he ended up working at Sony motion pictures, animation studios, like, but yeah. not in, you know, it was like, it's not, yeah. he went to a different movie and now he's here. It was, he went to a different movie and because of that, because of that, because yep. of that until yep. finally you get the exciting result. Um, yeah. I like thinking about those. You know, when we started, we talked a little bit about Steve Harvey and I remember, I can close my eyes and see this. I remember when I started this business, you know, when Jenny said selling is what you need to teach, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, that, I don't know. That I, want. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm good at it, but I don't know that I want to teach that. It's like, Jenny, I want to, I want to, you know, I, I like to perform. I want to be on TV. I want to do like, you know, I have this laundry list of just really big, huge things. And she's like, but what if the steps you take today lead to that? And so mm-hmm. I had, when I started this just white sheet of paper in my office and it was all the big things I wanted to do. Right. I wanted my own TV show. Well, I got, I got, I got to shoot a TV pilot years later. I wanted to be on national TV for, you know, and I got to be on Steve Harvey. And the point here is 
it, it was in the everyday, right? It was in selling has allowed me to do that stuff. Selling has allowed me to be the vehicle or it's been the vehicle to do that stuff. And, and I think you're right. Every time that I thought, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Or I don't know if I could go on. I'd look up and say, that's what I'm working towards. That's it. And it was the, I mean, I can think of many little micro steps like you're talking about. And sometimes they're choices, just like you see, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know you make them. And then you end up working for Sony or whatever. So yeah, you're right. exactly right. It's fascinating. Life's I, a fascinating thing. Life is fascinating. You know, anytime you're transforming yourself, which I believe most people go through several transformations in the course of a lifetime, um, there are the growing pains of of doubt that creep in. When you encountered those, what what were your strategies? I mean, you had the one strategy you just shared, which is what sparked me to even think of this question, which is having the big, like exciting goals on a piece of paper you could look at. Um, but what about when the voice comes along and is like, yeah, but you can't have that. Sure. So first of all, that still happens, right? I mean, it still happens. I don't, I don't, I certainly don't know a way to, to get rid of that voice. I do a lot of work on myself. So for nine years, eight years, I've worked with an energy person to help me just sort of shed those thoughts. I've worked with life coaches on and off. Um, so I, I do a lot of work on myself. And I think that there are also, I've learned, I mean, just from those Martha Beck tools, right? Like, oh, to recognize the thought, that's interesting. That's in, in, an interesting thought. That's fascinating. Thank you for that information, mind. Now go away. <laughs> go because I've got work to do. Like I literally, I talked to, to that thought. Um, you know, it's going to sound real new agey, but meditation, meditation has helped uh -huh. me a lot with noticing. I, I, I used to want to just bury it. Like, oh, that thought has no room here, even though I know it's protect, no room here. But now it's like, okay, there it is. And thank you for that information and that input. And watch me, watch me. Now, it may take me a while to get to watch me. I may need to fall apart and cry and I may need to say I quit and I may need to talk it out and verbally process it. But eventually I get to, yeah, watch me. Uh, thank you for that information. Now watch me go. I love, I love that idea that you're like, that there's part of you that is challenged by that voice. You know, the, the oh, two brains in our so one brain, right? Yes. But, but I mean, I don't, I'm not always, I'm, as much as I'd love to say, I'm always like able to, I'm not, I mean, there are times when I completely melt down on the couch and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with any of it. I'm done. It's hard. It's I'm done. This didn't work out. Um, we launched in the middle of the pand in the pandemic this year, literally like the national stay at home order came the day before the day after our cart opened. It was just crazy. And I went through all these moral questions. Should we be launching? Should we not be launching? And when it was over, I melted. I mean, I just, I didn't get out of bed for days. I worked with my, my energy coach. I was like, I'm just done. I'm so depleted. I don't know what the point is. And so, yeah. And there was a lot of doubt. You can't do this. You're, you're, it's and so, I mean, you got to surround yourself with people. I feel like who have better skills than, than I do in that area. I think that's a great recommendation. Surround yourself with the people who have the skills that you need to work on the yeah. skills that you, you know, it, there's a, there's this strange bit of our culture here um, 
it feels, I don't know, maybe it's a human trait, but it feels very American to me to be self-reliant, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. knuckle through. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of idioms in our language that yeah. are all about being self-reliant. Absolutely. The truth is that's a pretty lonely path and it's not that you can't succeed that way. It's just a heck of a lot harder. You're uh, right. You're you know? right. I used to say, my parents used to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And when I became an adult, I'm like, what if my bootstraps break? Then what am I going to do? Right? Like I, I, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So you're absolutely right. You're, you're used absolutely to say, right. What are bootstraps? Because nothing <laughs> yeah. I had had bootstraps. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're so right about that. And again, I have learned, and you know, I, this I think comes with age, but I, I've learned that I want very much to have the, the privilege to stay in my lane. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And, and, and again, loving my daughter and, and teaching, I can teach anybody to sell. And so if it's outside of that, I want help. I, I, I welcome, and I welcome help in those areas too. But you know, when, if, if, everything goes sideways. I'm like, yeah, I need some help there because it's not my zone of genius. I'm also, you know, just struck by how online business was like, you, you know, you were doing this before it was 2020, <laughs> you know, yes. now we're, yes. now we've hit a year where everyone's like, how do I get online? You I know, know, it's hilarious, right? It's yeah. fascinating. My yeah. Was, yeah. My team was like, uh, everybody's trying to figure out how to get on zoom. And I'm like, yeah, I, we got this. Hallie's classes were on Zoom. I'm like, we got this, babe. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with all this stuff. So yeah, it's fascinating. I'm not going to ask you to teach everybody in the next 30 seconds how to be successful online. I feel like that would be a unfair to you because you've got a whole uh, university and also it'd be unfair to everybody else because you can't do it in 30 seconds. But if you were going to give people one tip for adapting to moving online, since I have you here, what would your like number one tip be? So outside of the mindset stuff, create a workspace and cre create, create work hours. So one of the things that I am really, really, I've gotten, let me back up. One of the boundaries I've created for myself is when I'm at work, I'm at work. So like my mom still calls and leaves me voicemails. My aunt still calls, but no, I'll do that after afterwards. I don't go put stuff in the crock pot. I don't go do the laundry boundaries. So work hours are work hours. Create a workspace if you can. My first workspace was in a guest bedroom. But when you, so you're able to close the door and leave it. It's like work is work. I feel like we get all this meshed and then all of a sudden we're working 12 hours a day and we're exhausted and we're burned out and there's no family time and no, the whole thing. And so having a space where you can say behind that door is work. When I walk in there, I am Kendrick show. When I walk out, I'm still Kendrick show, but, but not, that Kendrick show. I can, that, that goes in there. Separation. That's great advice. Boundaries. Boundaries. <laughs> what final thoughts would you like to leave people with as we bring this conversation to a gentle close? I think that the same thoughts that, that started this whole journey for me that I still tell Hallie is no matter where you are in your life, whether you're living your dream, whether you're absolutely miserable, which I hope you're not, but no matter where you are, you can do or be anything you want. And it all starts with belief. Belief, action, repeat. I know it. I know that to be true. 
I see that with our students all the time. So I believe in you. I may not know you, but I believe in you. Thank you so much, Kendrick Shop. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. exploration of individual growth and her openness about utilizing human beings to help her fill in the gaps of her own personal development should serve as a helpful reminder to all of us that as we pursue our dreams or as we pursue having dreams to pursue, that we don't have to go it alone. Filling out our change toolkit shouldn't just be about an inner reckoning and our own resilience but should also include the people we utilize to help us along our journey. The constraints of our modern experience can certainly present mindset challenges around reconciling what we believe we are capable of with how to get there. I would suggest that as you continue to put one metaphorical foot in front of the other, dig down for what you care about, or as Kendrick might say, what lights you up, that you also look for helpers to guide you along the way. Thank you to Kendrick Shope for sharing her stories and reflection. We'll have links to where you can find more of her in the show notes for this episode. I want to hear from you. Have thoughts, feelings, sarcastic remarks, or a story to share based on listening to this episode? Help me keep the conversation going. Join the Facebook group, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash change hub. Special thanks go to my family for their love, support, and patience. To all of the amazing Change Podcast Patreon page members, who I couldn't do this without. Art of Change Skills for Life and Patreon member producer, Dr. Rick Hirschner. If you got something out of this episode and you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can always support the show more directly by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com, changedpod, where you'll find the extended conversation with Kendrick and with all of our guests for a small monthly subscription fee. Thank you for listening to The Changed Podcast. I'm Aiden Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about.